Thanks for joining our podcast, Two Girls, One Crime, with Jackie and Vita, where we eat, drink, and discuss the craziest cases and criminals we can find. If you enjoy our episodes and would like to be a part of supporting our channel, check us out on Patreon under Two Girls, One Crime. And if you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. Follow, like, subscribe, and show us the love in the comments. So, make a dish, grab a glass, and let's talk about another episode of True Crime. <laughs> I'm struggling today. Why? Oh, probably from alcohol. I thought it would be easier to take out because I'm going out of town. Yes, you are, my darling. She's moving in. I'm going to move in for a week. Not that she's not always here anyways. I'm always here anyways. Quinn's going to be so happy to have Dexter all week. And me. And you. Mm. Is it good? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, what kind of story did you pick today? All right, so I picked this story today because I knew you were going to be house-sitting for us. Uh-oh. No. Is it like an intruder <laughs> story? Oh, my God. Cassie Jo Stoddard. Have you heard of her? Have you heard of the movie franchise Scream? Mm-hmm. This is inspired by Scream. Oh my god. So it's a copycat killer of Scream. I know that feels like I just gave away like a huge chunk of the plot, but let's be real. It has to be one of her friends, right? So that's um, that's our story tonight. So we're doing a real life story of someone who was obsessed with the Scream movie and then recreated the murder in real life. Correct. Holy shit. Also, before we dive in, I want to say we have our first Patreon followers. Oh, yeah! <laughs> and hopefully by now we'll have more. But, yeah, we have we have three. Uh-huh. I know that sounds like not a big deal, but it totally is. It is. And if you don't know what Patreon is, there's a link below. Go check it out and see if we have more than three followers. <laughs> because hopefully we and do. And we are fourth if we don't. Yeah, and if we don't. But this video is being made months, wait, like... Prior to its release. I'm just so excited for really people hope. that support us. Yeah. I do okay. have one story before we get started. I know okay. we usually let's don't do, do our, stories. Let's do our welcome, though. <laughs> okay. Are right, you ready? Welcome back to Two Girls and One Crime. Not cut. Oh, my God. Uh, my name is Vida. I'm Jackie. And uh, we're so glad that you decided to check our channel out again. If you haven't, please subscribe. We're also on Spotify and Apple Podcast. <clears throat> so you can we, watch us or listen to us. We have an Instagram. We've got a TikTok. we got a Twitter. We're basically... Um, we're basically, everywhere. Like, really cool. Yeah, we're really cool. Not OnlyFans. Nope. Not OnlyFans. Anyways, we want to tell us a story? Yeah, I guess we could tell the story. What's your story? Oh, <laughs> that's my story. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we can get right into mm-hmm. that. So I went to uh, get a haircut. Because I've got work coming up in um, two weeks, and I wanted to go ahead and make sure that I was all like not looking like a homeless witch for it. Unless it's the character you're playing, but it's not. I went and got a haircut, and because I'm an idiot and a little cheap, I went to Paul Mitchell's uh, The School. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I legit thought I was going to walk out of there with a bob. 
I didn't think there was a way to fix that. Okay, that was my story. That'll be a bonus feature. Oh, that's cute. It's a bonus feature. Hey, oh, you guys that. want to watch it? Sign up for Patreon. Yeah, on Patreon, you can see her <laughs> story about how her hair almost got chopped off by a student who didn't even deserve to be in beauty mm. school. It's my fault for being cheap. It's her fault for being cheap. Almost had a bob. Oh, gosh. Can you imagine? I can't. No. I can't imagine. Mm -mm. All right, let's do it. Oh. Cassie Joe Stodart, a murder inspired by the movie Scream. That's so upsetting. Because that's like when kids are like, or parents are like, kids shouldn't play video games because they learn how to shoot a gun. It gives them like, like ammunition for that. It makes me so I'm upset. Like, oh, so should we not make horror films? Because yeah. then serial killers get inspired. And it's like, no, because people are going to, you know, people are going to do what they do. It doesn't matter what kind yeah. of art. Psychopaths are going to psycho. Inspires them. That's what I believe. All right. So Cassie Joe Stodart was a 16-year-old high school honor roll student when she was brutally stabbed to death by two intruders while house-sitting for her relatives. And just to remind everyone, I'm house-sitting for her tomorrow till Sunday. If this is the last time I'm ever on camera, I just want to say, Jackie, it's all your fault. And Mom, I love you. And Mario, I love you too. And all of my siblings. And my dog. And my and I'm just going to go stop. <laughs> my so first grade teacher. Love. <laughs> I did eat a weed edible because I had a really bad headache because I'm hungover. And, um, yeah. So, and then I woke up from the nap and I was like, oh, I feel worse. And that was, like, not the point. <laughs> Good story. That was my story time, bonus feature. What did I just talk about? Bonus feature. Did I incriminate myself in certain states in the United States of America, maybe? Not that you don't do that on a weekly basis, but you know. <laughs> I see, this is how we're gonna get them to wanna join up for Patreon. Figure out what the bonus feature is. I get it, you're so smart. When the friends who were the last to be seen with her were questioned, some things just didn't line up. At first claiming to be horror film aficionados, they initially would say that they were all just making a movie together. Then the story changed to a prank gone horribly wrong. When one of the friends would finally confess, their finger pointing would go back and forth until the final verdict was made. Wow. Cassie Jo Stodart was born in December 21st, 1989. She's my age. She's a, she's a Capricorn my age. How sad. So she was born in 1989 in Pocatello and raised, where's Pocatello? What's Idaho. Pocatello, Idaho. And raised by her mother, Anna Stodart. She had a younger brother by one year, Andrew, an older sister, Christy, by seven years. Cassie was a good girl who never touched drugs or alcohol. Incredibly responsible. She was a straight-A honor roll junior at Pocatello High School in Pocatello. In, that's what you wrote. It's very <laughs> repetitive. Her brother would say that they were very close and Cassie was also the headstrong one. I felt like... I was always a step behind her, looking up to her. She was a role model. She was really smart, doing good, and had a lot going for her. 
She had a love for music and drawing and had artistic talent that her family would display around their home. Zooming in. You're also artistic. Yes. Oh my god, Jackie, stop it! <laughs> You're artistic. <laughs> she once drew a portrait of me. Oh, I did. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot about that. You yeah. also drew a picture of me. I know. And Kai still was like very disturbed by the photo because there's like a, a pair of dead, man. like a dead body. It's not him. I just think you're like such a super villain, like a sexy super. Like, if I could pick a role for you in a movie, I would want you to be mm-hmm. in like a Kill Bill movie and play one of the villains that like murders everyone. Wow, Kill Bill. Yes, I love it. Keep reading. You don't like that movie? No, I like it. Oh. I like it. I, I, I like it. No, I like complimenting I like you. Many of Cassie's extended family also lived nearby in the area. As children, they would be raised often by their grandparents. Her aunt and uncle, Allison and Frank Contreras, also lived nearby on Whispering Cliffs. They don't. Whispering Cliffs Drive. In the northeast area of the country. Of the county. I just stopped chewing for that. (laughs) One weekend in late September, the Contreras, they were going out of town and asked their niece, Cassie, to house sit and take care of their three cats and two dogs while they were away. Oh my God, Jackie, this is what you're doing to me. You bitch. I'm having my boyfriend come over and stay with me. Okay. (laughs) We were supposed to film yesterday, but there were issues. So we were like, well... I'm leaving tomorrow at like 5 a.m. So I was like, well, should we reschedule for tomorrow or should we just wait till I get back in two weeks? I was like, I really hope she's able to do tomorrow. And here we are. So I see. This was why. It had nothing to do with the schedule or anything else. You just wanted to fucking terrorize me. (laughs) I'm kidding. I love it. It's very funny. You're very funny. What a funny friend. You're hilarious. Am I? You're funny all the time to me. Oh, thank you, baby. You're so sweet. You're so sweet to me. That's how I talk to my dog, and now it's how I talk to my friends. Mario actually says he doesn't know when I'm talking to him or that's. Oh, that's really funny. Because <laughs> I go, who's the cutest baby in the world? And Mario's like, me! And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like rubbing Dex's belly, and he's like, oh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh you want to hear that like cute-ism about my relationship? <laughs> Gotta go to... What's it called? Patreon. <laughs> Is that how we're gonna do it? No, we're like exploiting it all. <laughs> no, we're okay. we, can, we can just we get got a taste. Now we're hungry. In for free. One weekend in late September, the Contreras were going out of town and asked their niece Cassie to house sit and take care of their three cats and two dogs while they were away. Okay, that's what I read. And then I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she agreed to do so. She even asked them for permission if she could invite her boyfriend over. It. And trusting her, they said yes. I swear I didn't read this before I said, let's invite my boyfriend over. On September 22nd, 2006, Cassie was settled into the home and around 6 p.m. her boyfriend Matt Beckham, Beckham also 16, came over to keep her company. Sometime between 6.30 and 7 p.m. their classmate Brian Draper and Tori Adamchik came over to the house to hang out. Cassie gave everyone a quick tour of the house and then went into the living room to watch the film Kill Bill Volume 2. What is happening? I'm so freaking out. Jackie Dallas. That's why I was like, keep reading. 
I thought you were like rejecting me. enjoyed watching movies and Brian and Tori considered themselves aspiring filmmakers. However, Brian and Tori would end up leaving before the movie finished, saying that they wanted to watch a different movie at the local theater instead. Cassie and Matt stayed home to finish the film. A short time later, as the teen couple continued watching the TV in the living room, they heard the sound of breaking glass and began to hear sudden strange noises from the basement. However, they did not go down to investigate. Then suddenly, the power went out. Okay, I just want to say, you don't have a basement, so we good. You know? We good. You don't have a basement. I have smart lights. Should I make them flicker? I hate you <laughs> a lot. <laughs> hey, Alexa. Turn on the living room lights. Hey, Alexa. Turn on party mode. Alexa. Turn on party mode. I don't think your house is as smart as you think. Womp, womp, womp. If you want to see that epic fail, check out the <laughs> After a few minutes, the power came back on, but the teens were uneasy. Mm, would Matt good. would notice that one of the dogs would sit staring at the basement stairs, occasionally barking, blah, 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 growling. I really want to act this out. But they still did not go down to investigate. Continue. No, I like that. All right, Cassie was scared by this time and would ask her boyfriend to stay with her for the night. But when Matt called his mother to ask if he could, his mother declined. Instead, she offered to let Cassie come to their house and she would drop her back off in Whispering Cliffs the next morning. However, Cassie felt it was her responsibility to stay at the home as she was hired to do so and take care of the animals. Very responsible child. At approximately 10.30 p.m., Matt's mother came and picked him up. Cassie was left alone. All right, so I just want to double check. A 16-year-old was negotiating with a parent if she could sleep at her boyfriend's house? Mm-hmm. Wow. I wasn't allowed to do that till I was 18. Because I was 18, and then I could just be like, I'm 18, and I can go to my boyfriend's house. I still don't know if I'm allowed to do that. Oh, honey, <laughs> does Kai know you have a boyfriend? And mom's like, where are you again? I'm like, mom, I told you. I'm married. Know. I moved out like 50 years ago because I'm like almost a senior, senior citizen. <laughs> <laughs> At approximately 10. I hate that I make fun of you for being old, but it's only because you look so young and it's not fair. <laughs> because you look so young. It's not fair. I'm not going to look as young as you. Like, in five years. I'm not going to look like an old wrinkly white lady. I'm just kidding. You know, my aunt sent me, um, I got this, like, promo uh, face cream. Mm. You know how, like, Sephora gives, like, those free samples and stuff? Yes. It's, like, really expensive. And I actually really like it. So now I'm conflicted because I want to buy it. It's 50 bucks, right? Yeah, like, the actual thing is, like, a $50 face cream. And I know there's more expensive ones out there, but this no, one I just really expensive. like. It's not that expensive, Jenny. Well, whatever. I feel conflicted about spending that. Anyways, so I've been using it and I was telling my auntie about it. She's South Korean and South Koreans are like crazy into skincare. You know what this bitch says to me? What did she say? I like FaceTime her every Friday so I can say I hi to Grammy Grandpa. Said. And she goes, 
Yeah, your face looks okay, but your neck looks old. She's like, I'm going to send you a neck cream. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> fucking Asians. I love you, Auntie. I love you, Auntie. You're hilarious. All right. Back to the story. If you want advice on how to uh, cream your wrinkles, check out our Patreon. <laughs> All right. I will stop making that joke. So Cassie was left alone. A short while after Matt left, the power went out again. In the dark, two figures would emerge from the basement, dressed in dark clothing, gloves, and masks. Armed with blades, the first stranger would open and slam a closet door at the head of the stairs to scare Cassie. She would yell, startled, who's there? Then they attacked her as she desperately fought for her life on the couch stabbing her over and over again until she was dead. Cassie's body wouldn't be found until her relatives returned from vacation two days later. At about 1.15 p.m., her cousin's family would return from their trip. Allison would notice that the doors were all open and there was broken glass at the bottom of the stairs. Frank and their 13-year-old daughter would go upstairs and find her blood-covered body laying on the floor of the living room. Frank would scream as he ran back down, call 911, somebody's dead on our floor. Where were the animals? She was supposed to be taking care of animals. And then yeah. she got murdered the first night. The so animals. what did the animals do for two days? Did they start eating her? Oh. My cat would definitely eat me if she I could. know, that's what I'm saying. Okay. The discovery would rock the entire community as this would be the second murder of a young woman stabbed to death in the small town of Pocatello. The first being the fatal stabbing of 25-year-old Nori Jones in 2004. Authorities started their investigation with the last person who had seen Cassie alive, Mac Be Matt Beckham. <laughs> Mac Beckham? <laughs> Matt Beckham. Matt Beckham. Matt would tell them how they had all been at the home Friday night, but Brian and Tori left before him. He said that he called Tori on his way home, but Tori whispered that they were at a movie and couldn't talk. The following day, Matt and Tori hung out and spent the entire day together. He tried calling Cassie throughout the day about 15 times, but she never answered. If this boy is really in the dark and totally innocent, I feel so bad for him right now. But I've got to keep an open mind. Jackie likes to trick us. So, When he grew concerned and asked Tori to drive him over to the house to check on her, Tori would reply that he didn't have enough gas to get there and back, but would end up staying over the night at Tori's. Okay. I just want to make sure I understood that. Okay, got it. Okay, sorry. I'm so high, Jackie. Okay, now I understand the sentence. When he grew concerned and asked Tori to drive him over to the house to check on her, Tori would reply that he didn't have enough gas to get there and back. So Matt would end up staying over the night at Tori's. So that's the entire next day. Mm -hmm. And Tori knows that Cassie's dead because he's probably the one who murdered her. And so he lies to Matt about the gas to avoid going there. Okay. Investigators would note that Matt's behavior was odd, though. He didn't seem to show much emotion when he learned that Cassie was dead. Thinking this was suspicious, they asked him to take a polygraph test, which he passed. Tori was the next person to be interviewed, and detectives went to his home to talk with him. His father, Sean Adamchik, 
was there and Tori corroborated Matt's story. He said that he and Brian thought that they were going to a party but then decided to leave after discovering it was only going to be the four of them and didn't want to be a part of a date night. I understand that. However, there was one big problem with his story. When asked what movie he saw, Tori could not remember. He couldn't recall what it was about or who was in it. Mm. Sounds like they didn't see a movie. I would have pleaded the, I smoked too much weed. I can't remember. (laughs) I remember this one time in middle school. My friend and I, we went to, I don't remember what the fuck we did. We did something stupid. We like went to smoke weed at like the Greyhound station or something. And but we like told our parents to drop us off in the movie theater. So when they went to pick us up, we were both like, uh, ah, it was a movie. What'd you guys watch? Um Ella Enchanted. My mom was like, Oh, okay. Cause she knows it's not my kind of movie. Yeah. And then my friend is like her shoes were so pretty. <laughs> Brian Draper was the last of the suspects to be brought in for questioning. When the detectives arrived at his home, it was revealed that he began to cry as soon as he learned that Cassie had been murdered. His tearful version of events also matched the other two boys, and he was able to add that the movie that they had gone to see was Pulse. However, he too struggled to describe what happened throughout the movie. Maybe they were super stoned. When the investigators interviewed the employee at the ticket booth of the movie theater, she said they did not come in to watch a movie that night. She was also a classmate at Pocatello High School who knew Tori and Brian and would have recognized and remembered if they had shown up. Mm. It's a small town in Idaho, remember. Everyone knows everyone. They brought Brian back in for a second round of questioning the following day on the 26th. This time at the police station... And after reading him is Miranda writes, when they grilled him about lying about going to the movies, he confessed that they did not go to the movies as they said, but were actually stealing from cars with Tori. Mm. He denied going back to the house or having any involvement with her death. Okay, really quick. Um, why did everyone know to say they went to the movies if that wasn't true? Why wouldn't everyone just have like a different version of a lie unless they planned what they were going to say to the police? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Great question. Yeah, because I only have great questions now because I'm a professional to crime reading journalist. <laughs> Brian's parents would give the detectives permission to search his bedroom after the second interview where they found a knife sheath. When asked where the knife was, he stated it belonged to his friend and his friend probably had it. Brian was brought in for a third interview on September 27th and once again began with his Miranda rights. It would be from this interrogation the police would be able to begin piecing together the time of events. This time, Brian would claim that what happened was a prank gone wrong. So were they supposed to be like pretend actor's knives that go wing inside? Is that how the prank could have gone wrong? Like, because otherwise I don't know what could have gone wrong. Like, how do you just mm. accidentally murder someone? Mm. Yeah? Mm. Yeah. 
Somebody swapped out the fake knives for the real knives. That's what I'm asking. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Or the saying. fake bullets with the real bullets. Rust. Yeah. Brian would explain that he had secretly unlocked the basement door to the outside so that they could re-enter undetected later. After leaving the house to go to the movies, the boys would circle back around the neighborhood, park their car down the street, and put on the dark costume that was packed in the trunk. They said that they had initially tried to scare the couple and lure them downstairs into the basement by making noise and breaking glass ashtrays and slamming doors. When that didn't happen, they pulled the circuit breaker to shut the power off. But when they still didn't come down, they turned some of the lights back on. They waited in the dark for a while, debating on what to do next. When they heard Matt Beckham leaving, once again, they shut the lights off and waited. In the silence, Tori's phone would suddenly ring. Ring. Remember, I was acting it out. <laughs> it was Matt calling on his way home to see what his friends were up to. Hey, guys. What are you doing? I'm bored. What's it up to? But he could barely hear Tori on the other line and assume that they were in the movie theater. Eventually, the boys would decide to go upstairs themselves. Brian was armed with a non-serrated, curved knife, and Tori had a jagged hunting knife, both purchased from a local pawn shop with the help of an 18-year-old friend. So they were real knives, not fake knives. When it came to answering questions about the stabbing, each teen would blame the other. Brian would at first claimed that he was in the same room with Tori when he began stabbing her, but denied physically joining in the attack. He thought that at first he was pulling a joke on him, but once he saw the blood spreading around the wounds, he no longer believed it was a joke. Ooh. Tori would claim it was the other way around. Brian would lead investigators to the nearby Black Rock Canyon where they would find a small cachet of buried evidence including disposed clothing, masks, and four knives, including the two weapons that were used in the murder. Also recovered in the canyon were a partially burned notebook and videotape alongside matches and other fire damaged objects. Ooh, is that a mask? That is the, the mask they wore. Isn't that? Oh, it's so fucking so creepy. creepy. Brian was arrested after leading the detectives to the evidence. With concrete evidence and a written statement from Brian, they brought Tori in for a second interview at the station. Tori would initially maintain that he had nothing to do with the murders and then also admitted that they were just going through cars. When the detectives began to disclose some of the details of what Brian had told them, Tori begins to stumble over the details of the story, inadvertently admitting to owning up to several incriminating details. When the detectives asked him misleading questions, such as about whether he had taken out the trash, he would admit that his family used blue-colored garbage bags, same as the type found in Black Rock Canyon. Oh, so they're so smart. They're like, they're hey, so clever. Yeah. What kind of uh, trash bags do you have at home? What do they look like? Yeah. Uh, I watched um, the footage. Blue. There's like, there's uh, like each session was like two to three hours yeah. long. And there's multiples of them, and I like watched them because That's I have cool. nothing else to do, I guess. And yeah. I watched them at like double time. They were like, I get it. Like, it's hard to remember details, but let's start with something basic. Like, did you take out the trash that day? Like, what's a normal routine? You know? Did you carry anything out? Because I think someone said that they saw you carrying something in a bag like a blue trash bag it's like so oh yeah cool. they used uh something called the reed technique 
and it's an interrogation technique that they're trained on. It's nine parts and it tells you in order what to do and at what point, like what behaviors the suspect exhibits that you move on to the next point. So it's like you encourage them as like a friend, you earn their trust, you're like, hey, I'm on your side. And then you give them these uh, socially acceptable excuses like, hey, it could have been an accident. Somebody was forcing me to do it. It's totally, it's okay. It's not your fault. And you just get them into this place where then they like have yeah. nowhere to go because they've so already smart. admitted it, yeah. you know, to like it's so, so clever. Things. That's what excites me. I'm like, I'm going to be a detective. It was so interesting. We started yes. our own private investigation firm. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so fun and terrifying also? Terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. He would also admit to having carried a shovel in the trunk of his car, even though it was not in there when the car was inspected. Just voluntarily. And when told, have a shovel? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and when told that a local trucker had seen a red car drive up Black Rock Canyon, would also reluctantly admit that it had been his. <laughs> Once they revealed that they had already found all of the evidence that Brian led them to, and had a confession from Brian betraying him, Tori would begin to cry. At one point, his father would ask if what they were saying was true, and Tori would nod yes. They would take Tori's shoes from him as additional evidence before concluding the interrogation and arresting him as well. He's so fucking, so fucking weird. I literally just picked my nose. He's eating he it. He just ate it? He was eating it. Oh my god. He's disgusting. They were booked in the county jail and charged as adults with first degree murder and conspiracy to commit first degree murder. Their bond was initially set at $1 million. But as substantial evidence began to mount, the judge, Lynn Brower, would revoke their bond. Ew, they're such weird-looking boys. Mm. So do you think that they killed her because she didn't want to fuck them? Because they're so gross? Mm. Or they're just psychopaths. They could be incels, or they could be psychopaths, or they could Come be both. He wants to give you kisses. Brian had a long history of being depressed and writing about killing both himself and other people. His MySpace would show updates claiming to be sick in the head and no one knows it. He had a fascination of serial killers and expressed wanting to follow in the footsteps of Ted Bundy, the Hillside Strangler and the Zodiac Killer. He craved the fame and notoriety that killers received. He had a speech impediment that uh, that resulting in bullying and, uh, hold on. He had a, oh, result. Ted in bullying. Start over. He had a speech impediment that resulted in bullying and dealt with dark emotions from a young age. When he was in the eighth grade, he and two other boys were actually caught planning a school shooting. Shit. 
He's got a bad track record. He's a child. Inspired by the Columbine High School massacre, Brian had written a graphic and detailed account of how he was going to kill certain classmates that he felt were mean to him. Loser. When confronted by adults, all three boys would deny that they were being serious and no one took them seriously. I'm surprised they didn't take him seriously because this was uh, not that long after Columbine. Tori, on the other hand, had never been in any trouble before. His parents considered him a kind and loving child. He never struggled with depression or any other behavioral issues. As a teen, he had plans for his future. He enjoyed movies and dreamed of becoming a movie producer one day. Since he was 10 or 11, he wrote scripts and made homemade movies with friends. He was obsessed with horror films and would like to mess around sneaking up on people at school, pretending to stab them or cut their throats. But aside from being a little weird, no one thought that much about it. A forensic psychologist would assess that he was immature for his age and had slight impairment for his prefrontal cortex. He would also display behavior consistent with anxiety. In later interviews, Brian would also describe Tori as a boy who secretly enjoyed killing animals, once burying a cat up to its neck and then killing it with a weed whacker. Wow, I feel like we just took in a lot of information. So, Brian was a troubled one. He had a history of like behavioral issues, depression. He was the one who got caught almost having a school shooting. Right. And, and then, then Tori, the other one, the other okay, is pimply the geek, face. The like, geeky, I love movies, I like to pretend to kill people in the hallway. Right. Yeah. Okay. He never got in trouble before, like, officially. And, and just to weird. recap their confessions, Brian cried when he found out that um, Cassie, was Cassie was dead. Brian confessed to what really happened and, and said that Tori, yeah, well, he's he broke first. Yeah. Tori... Um, lied to him and said it would be a prank mm-hmm. and that they were making a movie. I mean, he's painting the picture very nicely. It could still all be a lie, mm-hmm. but he is making a convincing story. Jesus. Don't we think that Brian did it and he's just blaming Tori? I mean, Tori we can is interpret more innocent. It however, we want at this point. Yes. Oh, so confusing. Here. Something sweet. I made peach pie the other day from scratch. You still have a slice? Yes, I have a half a pie left. All right, stop, stop. <laughs> I'm ready. Will you have close up? For everything, director. Mm, whatever you want. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, <Our> OnlyFans. <laughs> no, on Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> I think you can sell like nude photos on Patreon. You can't sell sex acts, though. I think. I think. I mean, we could have more wine if you wanted. Uh, no, I'm good. I have to get up at five. Our flight's at seven. I'm already packed and everything, so I just gotta get up, turn my brain on, call the Uber, and walk out. That's very smart, because if you had to do things at that time, I'd be mad at you, because I'd want to sleep. <laughs> Although they were classmates, Tori only became close to Brian a few months prior during the summer. They became friends when they began to plan a horror movie script together. Mm. It was suspected that Tori may have had a crush on Cassie for a couple years and had at one point asked her to be in his horror movie. A few weeks into their friendship, Brian began a 30-minute recording representing two teenage killers. However, both claimed that it was just a movie. Mm Mm-hmm. It was about 
a guy and a girl to kill a young boy. That was the harmony script. Yeah. I mean, you can see how the characters could be like interchanged. After their arrest, both boys would continue to be questioned, but would selectively bounce details gleaned from the other person off to the other. When Brian is questioned the day after his arrest, the detectives start out with positive reinforcement that Tori admitted to everything. They would also tell Brian that his case was looking good because Tori looked extremely guilty when he started struggling trying to hide details and facts of the case. This appeared to relieve Brian and he began to relax. But when he is further questioned about his involvement in the stabbing, the detective at one point asked him if he stabbed Cassie in order to keep Adam Chick from turning on him. At that point, his story would change once again as he nodded yes. Okay, YouTube. I've been getting paid a thousand dollars a month, if not more. Ads, I hate ads. I don't think you're stabbing her to kill her. I don't think you would ever in a million years, Brian, do that. Okay, but you get caught up in the moment and you're just doing it to show them so you don't get turned on. Does that happen? Be honest with us, okay? Is that what happens? Do you just barely get it just to try to get the hell out of there? Is that what happens? Okay. How many times do you think? I mean, just a couple of weeks Okay. You didn't want to? We know that. We know you didn't Okay. Is it just in the stomach area or the chest? Yeah, okay. In her leg? Okay. Where else? Well, then you can kick something. Chest. Is he stabbing her maliciously and trying to hurt her? What What makes you finally have to stab She comes over and says, makes, makes sure she's dead. You, you need Sabbath. You, you need Sabbath. I, I, I don't know what to think. And I say, I, I can't do it. And she, you need Sabbath. Just do it quick. And what do you do? Spotting one leg. And he says, it's not going to work. She has to die. Okay, so why is he so close? Which is probably, but, but I mean, you said before, she's probably already dead anyway. So what you're doing, you're not killing her. He's going to kill her. This is like what I do now. It, like when I do normal work at my desk, I just have instead of Netflix TV shows and movies, I just have crime footage videos playing in the background. I love it. I can see how like psychologically it would work. He would also admit that Cassie's boyfriend, Matt Beckham, was also supposed to have been killed that night, but was spared when he was unable to stay the night. Okay, so now it sounds like Tori is a crazy kid mm -hmm. that had a lot of fantasies about killing people mm -hmm. and then bullied a kid who was already troubled into committing a really big crime with him. Okay, now according, that's according to yeah, according now to that's what testimony. I think. Yeah. The videotape found during the investigation was also damaged with evidence of attempted burning and had the tape pulled out. When it was repaired and straightened out, salvaged clips showed Brian and Tori describing their plan to murder Cassie. Hey, look, it's Cassie. Hey, look, Hello, Cassie. <laughs> I'm getting you on tape, okay? 
Say hi, please. Hi. Okay, see ya. September 22nd, 2006. We're escaping last four hour. We're doing a plan right now. I'm just going to ask his family. Jagged number one. We have to stick with the plan. She's perfect, so. She's going to die. Whoa, that was psycho. No I'm sorry. When I was in school, I never wrote death list, but I did write like hottest boy list, hottest girl list, best butt. Yeah, no, we did those. Not before. to this extent, no. No, not to any of these, like not even close. I mean, there's people you don't like, but like you never like post. I wrote those, like you know? the 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 biggest losers or weirdos right, in school. Yeah, right. but I didn't want them to die. <laughs> There's no, um, it's a prank gone wrong. It's pretty oh, deliberate. No. We found our victim, and sad maybe, she's our friend. But you know what? We all have to make sacrifices. Our first victim is going to be Cassie's daughter. She's going to be alone in a big, dark house out in the middle of nowhere. How perfect can you get? I, I mean, like, holy shit, dude. I'm horny just thinking about it. Hell yeah. So this is um, talking about it after they left the house watching Kill Bill before they go. Oh, okay. Start, okay this okay, is that okay, interim okay. between yeah, yeah. leaving the house so and going back just, to the house. Okay. The notebook that was found alongside the tape in Black Rock Canyon contained a list of names that included several of their friends and classmates. It was titled Death List. These would be presented as evidence and used against them during the trial. A second recording that was made after the murder was also found where they filmed from their car as they fled. I just killed Cassie. We just left her house. This is not a fucking joke. I'm I stabbed her in the throat and I saw her lifeless body just disappear. Dude, I just oh killed God. Cassie. Oh, oh, fuck. That felt like fucking real. I mean, it went by so Shut fast. Shut the fuck up. We gotta get our act straight. Okay. I've never actually heard a recording of people after they just killed someone. Like, I'm actually, like, blown away. I've never heard anyone reflecting on, like, the state of shock they're in after they just killed someone. I'm like, you feel like it's not even real? Like, it didn't actually happen? Well, have you never done something like that Yeah, I guess before? if something really, really big Crazy. happens for the first time, you, like, feel like it, it's not real. And the adrenaline yeah. and everything. I never thought about that. I've never really thought about what it would be like after you kill someone. I can't believe they filmed all of that. They're making a movie. The stuff? They wanted to get caught, I guess. Yeah, clearly they wanted to get caught. Oh, it's just so bizarre. They would make several references to other infamous serial killers and call them amateurs in comparison to themselves. Yeah, that was interesting. Like, they're Ted like, Bundy. We're way better. We're recording it so we can get caught. Hill size strangler. They would also mention the Columbine shooters and reference the movie Scream. Autopsy results would determine that Cassie had been stabbed 29 times throughout her body. At least nine of them were fatal. The examiner suspected that it was a strike to the right ventricle of her heart that likely ended her life. They also deduced that at least two knives were used in the attack, both a non-serrated and a serrated blade. And those are the types of knives that mm -hmm. were the evidence that were found. There were four knives recovered total from Black Rock Canyon. Two of them had blood on it. Can you imagine if like your friends you were just hanging out with came back 
to murder you and you like weren't anticipating it like oh, you're just like God. in your pajamas because i'm looking at the photos of the pajamas and i'm just yeah. thinking like she was just like just chilling oh hey guys why just did you come back imagine. you know like but she didn't even know it was back? i don't know if she knew it was them because they were masked up they had all oh, these like right, different outfits right, 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 so mind. she might never have even known never mind them. i forgot that they had masks yeah. on I got confused again. <laughs> DNA testing of blood found on the knives, one of the shirts, and one of the gloves tested positive for being Cassie's, and Brian Draper came back positive as the wearer of the gloves. Brian Draper's DNA was also found under Cassie's fingernails. Mm. Tori's DNA was not indicative of his participation. The death of Cassie devastated her family. Her aunt lost her job as a result of the immediate turmoil and fell into a depression. I get that. Mm. Cassie's cousin attempted suicide after seeing the body in the home. 13-year-old is so tragic already. Her younger brother would be unable to return to school for weeks dealing with the trauma. Each member of the family would also claim to have unexpected encounters in the home. When they tried to sell it, they never got any offers. Both boys would give tearful apologies for their heinous crimes on the stand. Tori cried, I feel terrible for Cassie's family and my family and friends, and especially for Cassie. What happened to her was monstrous. Well, you fucking did it. If only you had this perspective before you made the decision, you psycho. Brian would say, all I ask is to give me the punishment I deserve for my part in this crime. That is the only way I will be able to find some sort of closure by getting what I deserve. He sounds like a psychopath. It's not an apology either. It's like self-serving. He's like, look at me. I'm a reflective person that knows that he deserves, you know, it's like, shut up. Suffer. Fuck you. You don't get closure. Her family will never get closure. Both (laughs) would receive exactly that when they were convicted in the summer of 2007 for the charge of first degree murder, plus an additional 30 years to life for being convicted of conspiracy to commit murder. Tory's attorney, Aaron Thompson, would insist that there was an insufficient amount of evidence against his client and the investigation and proceedings had numerous mistakes. He also expressed that the world lost Cassie Stodart. I just don't want to lose another teenager. I'm sorry, lawyer, Mr. Lawyer Thompson, you're so dumb. There is incriminating video evidence that your client, Tory, was planning this murder. That's, that's, and then there's voice Evidence of him reflecting on what it was like to just murder Cassie. I would just have such a hard time vibing with anyone who was like a defense attorney for like a criminal. Because that's your job, right? Like that's his job. Yeah. Morals aside, ethics aside, what he believes in his gut aside, that's his job. Can you imagine like no. having to do that? Like I'm arguing. Like, like I dare you to argue for what's something really really terrible and slavery I, I get what you're saying and i'm not gonna do it <laughs> i know like quit. having to defend i don't want to murder the client anymore most people just lie to the lawyers and maintain their innocence they don't tell their lawyer what they really did so then yeah, the lawyer okay sure like believes. plausible deniability yeah. but like you do need to know the facts in order to be able to like work around them yeah, right like totally. So it's like knowing the things that you know and still having to defend the person. (sighs) 
Brian's attorney had asked for leniency since it was Brian that cooperated with the authorities and led them to the most incriminating pieces of evidence. However, Judge Peter McDermott would not offer either boy a different sentence, commenting that he was convinced that the two teens were so disturbed mm -hmm. that he was certain they would kill again if ever released. Good on this judge. Numerous appeals would all be denied, including the most recent one in February 2022. They are both currently serving their time at a rural Idaho State Correctional Institution. They're not rehabilitable. I think Brian is 100% a bad seed. He had a lot of terrible behaviors, like shooting up a school, getting caught. Oh, we're just joking. And then to be so manipulative to, like, the first time you're interviewed... We're here to investigate the murder of your friend Cassie. My God, what? Yeah, like crying. that's so manipulative right yeah. there, right? And then yeah. to like immediately off the bat be like, oh well, Tori did this. No, absolute fucking psychopath. Whereas Tori, I don't think Tori was like the crazy person that like you had theorized. I think Tori was just kind of the simple, stupid, good kid who got caught up in a bad friends like. Whatever. I have thought the Italian-looking kid was the psycho manipulator. Right. Mm -hmm. That's who that I him. thought the psycho yeah. manipulator was. So I actually flip-flopped on who I thought yeah. the okay. the main. I don't like. I don't know what I think now. I think they're just both equally guilty. I think that they oh, both wanted no. to do this, and for sure. there was no for leader, sure. and mm -mm. like I they, think they both egged each other on. They both had different ways of. Yeah dealing with getting caught and like yeah. their personalities definitely came out in different ways mm -hmm. but I think they're both mm -hmm. they both would want to kill a gun I think Brian always knew he wanted to kill someone and he was just like this is the one that and, finally succeeded and this is him. the friend that he made that could finally like figure out how feel to the same with. kind of yeah gross so there's another part of the video that I did not include because just time so if you're watching this we're probably dead and hopefully we serve to like inspire. Oh, that's what they say. Future. Yeah, yeah. It's what I they was say. like, why are we dead? <laughs> <laughs> you know, hopefully if we like inspire other serial killers, hopefully you don't fail as many times as we did. And they go on to say they tried to kill people seven, eight, nine times before, except whenever they were going to like pick the date and time and place to do it, somebody else would show up. Or the parents would come okay. home. This is like or... a huge part of evidence. Yeah, huge. And it played into it. It played into it. Like, it was presented. And then they're like, but now she's going to be alone in this big house by herself. However, the boyfriend was there and they were going to kill the boyfriend too. They were going to kill him too. And they were like, okay, well. I see. You should have gone with him. No. But then it would have just been somebody else that they killed. And who knows who that would have been. Yeah. People like this, you know, we keep reading these stories, you know, because, like, I asked that we do this. Um, <laughs> and it's bizarre because I just still don't understand how some people can be so connected to, like, that evilness. I thought I ran over a street rat the other day and I almost cried. Like, I was like, I can't believe I ran over a rat. And Mario was like, you didn't, Phoebe. It was fast and it ran over the car. And I was like, I don't know. He was like, we would have felt the bump. I was like, I mean, it's a, it's a fucking rat. Like, it's going to just squish. You're not going to feel it. No, you would feel it. Okay. Well, I didn't run it over then. You know, like, when I kill a cockroach or something, I'm always like, 
oh, I'm sorry, like your life just ended. You know, like I always feel so bad. I know. No, I know it's a gross crock, crotch, crock, crock, <laughs> cockroach. But still, it was like a consciousness experiencing oh. life. Okay, listen. I just, the two, I just made I'm Kai, not going to be the serial killer. I just made Kai kill a spider in our closet. Today. Okay, spiders terrify me. Oh, look how cool your nails are. Yeah, you like them? And you do like a pretty color that you can pull off because you have dark hair. I guess. You can do gothic yeah. things and it's not weird. If I do gothic things, I'll just look emo. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> pale. Maybe I should try it. I have a question for you. So... The uh, school, like half of the things that they filmed were in school. Like that video where they were like, this is our death list that we're making. That was during like classes. Okay. This was like them hanging out in the library or something. It didn't show in the video, but there was a point where immediately after that, they were like, she's listening. She's listening. She's watching. So what'd you get for number two? So they were hiding all of that, but like all of this was happening in school. Like in and, a class. In a class. And Brian had gotten caught planning a school shooting, not just speculatively. Yeah, like in actually. detail. Planning. Like remember the um yeah. remember the YouTube killer where yes. he like outlined exactly yeah. how he's gonna break yes. in, how he's gonna find so and so, where they're going to be at what time, right. what he's gonna do to them. He had graphic details about how he was going to kill his Brandon. classmates. And he was like, oh, I was just kidding. It's a joke. I'm making a movie. And nobody took him seriously. That's so stupid. So Cassie's parents filed a civil lawsuit against the school. How do you feel about that? Go for it. I mean, processing that kind of pain, you'd want to sue somebody. So do you think the school should be responsible for any of that? I don't know. I think the court of law can explore it. I feel like there's a lot of questions I would have. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a reasonable thing. Yeah, they sued the school. They lost. But well, schools, there you go. Yeah, they they tried. The I mean, in 13 Reasons Why, I think they try to sue the school too. Like it's just, I think yeah. it's just like a normal next step. Like when, like I'm pretty sure the the Uvaldi murders, the schools, mm. the police department's gonna get sued, or the school, like mm. people are gonna be suing. But it's not just a coping mechanism. No, no, but I'm saying scenarios where the blame needs to be. Yeah, placed, I know, but I'm saying like you know? all humans are always gonna like that's gonna yeah. be their next step. Maybe you can't like hold a specific teacher liable in this sort of scenario because yeah. it's kind of like, well, maybe they didn't know what they were whispering about in the back of the classroom. Yeah. So I think the teachers that were supposed to keep an eye on the bad kids, if they had a hunch that something was up, mm -hmm. and they never investigated the kid, mm -hmm. like asked if they needed to get counseling or whatever, or say, what are you up to? Please give me that camera. What are you planning? Can I see your notes? You know, like there's a lot of ways to keep tabs on kids that previously wanted to murder everyone in their classroom. So, yeah, you know, in my perspective, I'm like, that teacher, whoever that person is, probably hates themselves. They should. Because they probably they were aware that it was a super creepy kid yeah. and their intuition was screaming at them. Right, right. So, comment below if you're that person. <laughs> this kind of reminded me, yes, guys, yes. the two best friends yeah. killed her, where they were acting like sad friends, yeah. grieving, but then they were the ones And they were posting weird her. shit on Twitter and, and social media, yeah. and their behavior was strange. Well, I was just thinking, because they were like classmates that were like, oh yeah, we overheard them talking about like how they killed her, or they like were going to kill her, and they didn't come forth until they were questioned. Right. 
you know, I was just thinking. And again, there, there, there's nothing perfect. Yeah. Like, you're, you're also a child. Like, yeah, yeah. I, who knows if people are being real in high school about, like, their murder plans. <sighs> That's for adults to, to worry about, you know, for kids. Sure. Kids, we all, like, bullshit each other all the time to try to be, like, intimidating, you know. This is a sad fucking story. I feel bad for the boyfriend. I can't imagine learning that I was also supposed to be killed, but my mommy come in, pick me up. So only my girlfriend got killed. I'll be honest, my personal jury is still out on that because I also saw his interview like two hours. But each. he's not in the videos. He's not because he's there not wasn't prepping the there murder. wasn't like an interesting moment to really show. But his affect was very no, strange. No, 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 no. He's not in the videos that the two killers made. He's not a part of that. No, he's not. But I'm just saying, like. His behavior was strange. Well, maybe just because he didn't know how to deal with the new reality that he was like, like being interrogated, being interviewed, his girlfriend being dead, learning that he was going to get killed too. He's also a teenager. Like I could see why he's just kind of like, I can't believe this is what I'm talking, you know, this is my life right now. That's fair. Who knows? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I just don't see anything that would suggest except for like a fun plot twist. Uh, that he also was in on it. Or the movie, actual movie twist. Right, the actual movie twist, that it's actually the boyfriend. Yeah. But it's still only two killers. Scream is one of my favorite films, but I don't love that it influenced these fuckers mm-hmm. to do something like that. I like the movie because it was so... It's very original at the time. Oh, you it's know? one of my favorite it, films it, ever It introduced made. so many twists. Like, everyone was like, Drew Barrymore is going to be in it. What? Die? Do you know Neff Campbell turned down? They're doing another scream, yeah. and Neff Campbell said no because they're not going to pay her what she wants to get paid for. She's like, I am the scream franchise. She is, and you're not going to pay me what I'm asking for. And I don't believe it's like outrageous. I would imagine what she's asking for is fair. Yeah, but they won't pay her for it. So she's like, all right, well, I guess I'm walking then. And she made it very public that she's not going to be in the new screen. Good for you, Neff Campbell. I think it's good to know that a genre of films that I love isn't just fantasy for everyone. It's it's actually evidence that they could do something. So And that sucks. And I don't think that I really was aware of that. So, bummer. Well, this was a really cool, ep- I mean, not cool, but it was a really interesting episode that we wrote it. Are you excited to be a uh, house sitting? No! Yeah, I don't have anyone that would want to kill me because I'm perfect. You can always invite your boyfriend over. Honestly, I'm not scared anymore because the boyfriend didn't do it in this story, so oh. I will invite him over. But that will be it. There will be no other people allowed because they're not allowed to come back. And then hide in my not basement and kill me. Not basement. <laughs> Thank you for watching. Um, subscribe below. Like, comment, share this with your friends, your family. <laughs> Maybe that's the same thing. Like you, you my sister. Um, and yeah, check out our Patreon. Please check us out on TikTok. And we hope that you have a wonderful, blessed day. Much love. That's Let's our new sign out. There's a new sign up. Much blessed day. I'm just kidding. Bye. Bye. If you enjoy our episodes and would like to be a part of supporting our channel, check us out on Patreon under Two Girls, One Crime. And if you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. Follow, like, subscribe, and show us the love in the comments.